Welcome to Absolute Clarity, your number one travel management podcast from Clarity, the business travel experts. I'm your host, Kyle Daniels, and today I'm joined by one of the biggest names in aviation, Air France KLM. Joining us in the studio today are Paul Carbonaro and Jason Keel, and they're here to discuss the sustainability project and 10-year anniversary of the CO2 Zero program. And that's not all. We're also joined in the studio by Clarity's Director of Sales and Account Management, Paul Casement, a self-confessed aviation enthusiast. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank uh, you. Can I ask you guys just to give a quick introduction of who you are and what you do? So my name is Jason. I'm in the communications team for Air France and KLM. So we um, help the UK understand where we fly from and where we fly to and help promote the routes. Brilliant. Paul? Well, I'm uh, an account manager at Air France Sales, uh, the UK sales team. I'm part of a small team that looks after the top travel agencies in in the UK, of which uh, Clarity Travel is is one of them. Uh, My role is quite simple. I serve, promote, and I sell Air France KLM, and also our joint venture partners such as Delta, Jet Air, Kenya, uh, China Southern, just to name a few. And Paul Casement. Director of Sales and Account Management for Clarity. And I'm also self-confessed aviation geek. So talking about aeroplanes uh, on a podcast is going to be a pleasure. Is that what they actually call it, an aviation enthusiast or is it aerophile? I don't know. Aerophile sounds worse, so I didn't want to use that aerophile. I didn't want to throw that one out there. When when I was a kid, it was a plane spotter. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've got air gig now, so I have so many terms to keep up with. What I want to do first, before we get into kind of the main topics of sustainability in this CO2 zero, Paul, Paul, you're the one to ask this to, but give us a bit of a background into Air France, KLM, and really how it joins. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, both uh, Air France and uh, KLM are amongst the very few airlines that were established even before uh, World War II. Uh, In fact, KLM is the oldest airline in the world uh, with the same brand, uh, established in uh, 1919, and Air France uh, followed suit uh, in uh, 1933. Back in uh, 2004, a joint venture was, this, well, a merger was established of uh, Air France and KLM, both coming together, offering our customers some uh, greater choice, some savings due to uh, synergies. And Air France uh, KLM Group was born with a bright future at the time. We uh, have essentially uh, three parts of our business. Uh, we have the passenger side, cargo and uh, maintenance area. Because we are fairly established as brand, it was decided to keep uh, the Air France and KLM name because they were quite prestigious and yep. re- remain so. Uh, and they do mirror the, uh, the national profile of France and of uh, the Netherlands. Yes, yeah, so we've been established for about 14 uh, uh, years now. Uh, we're seamless, we're one company, but we have uh, essentially two brands, a bit yep. like uh, Renault and, uh, and Peugeot being owned by the same, uh, by the same right. company. Okay. So you do, is it 314 destinations around the world as a group, traveling to 116 countries? Quick breakdown of that is 20 North America, 25 Central and South America, 175 in Europe, 71 Middle East, Africa and Indian Ocean, and 23 in East Asia. Sounds about right. Nailed that, didn't (laughs) I? It's almost like a research before the show. Yeah, and we carry quite a few passengers, actually. Uh, 98.7 
in 2017. That's so, million. Uh, I say not just 98.7 passengers. No, no, million. Million, million. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to think what that 0.7 person is. <laughs> just, and that's actually gone up, isn't it? Because I think the year before that, it's actually risen by 5.6%. And I think you're looking at the summer 2018 programmes that you've got. Yeah, we have a slight increase. In, yeah, a slight increase in capacity of about uh, 3% or so. One of the things that I really want to touch on today, KLM has released their sustainability program, and it's actually split into three areas. So you've got in the air, on the ground, in the world. So what I thought, usually we would split those into topics. We're just going to actually cover that today because it is so meaty. So it's KLM that have done the sustainability, and also you're celebrating 10 years of the CO2 Zero program. Yeah, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, well... Air France and KLM are both involved in the sustainability, yeah. but as it's the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of, uh, of the KLM uh, uh, programme, uh, today was an opportunity to really kind of celebrate that fact. You brought um, cake and balloons, obviously people can't see that because we're, we're a podcast. <laughs> so we'll look first at the air side of things. You've talked about a 16% reduction of CO2 emissions per passenger compared to 2011. You've actually forecast for 2020 for that to be reduced by 20%. What's the reasoning behind this? Why is the... The programme has been long established, uh, 10 years. It, it's a means by where uh, customers can, uh, can buy the offset programme and that money is reinvested in various projects uh, around the world. So how does the offsetting work? So, so if I want to purchase a ticket so, on an aircraft, I have the ability to offset yeah. the carbon emissions. How does that work? Well, you, you, you pay, depending right. on the distance uh, that you fly, the aircraft that you fly has a value which has been long established uh, under international agreements and then uh, with that money that uh, you invest we use that money to uh, uh, invest in sustainability programs uh, in the world we had the program in uh, in ghana which was very successful and now we're looking at uh, panama uh, we're a reforestation program uh, where we're actually helping the locals to convert pastures into into forests It's, it's extremely beneficial and we uh, follow uh, international guidelines. Uh, those guidelines are, are well established. Uh, we look at uh, not only the sustainability element, but helping the local population with jobs, uh, with a fair income. Um, so all these investments help help the, uh, the, the local economy. I suppose it's one of those things where if you've got the regulations, the set, these are EU regulations, and the, I mean, they're fairly strict on, on aviation yes. companies such as yourselves. But you guys have actually gone one step ahead of that. So you're taking this sustainability, you're reducing the emissions, but then you're kind of passing that on to places like you're talking about Ghana, where they do need a little bit more. Uh, and you're actually being a bit more hands-on. You do get Absolutely. a lot of these companies that tend to farm this out to third parties, but you guys tend to manage this in-house. This is something that you take great pride in. Yeah, exactly. It's very hands-on. So we've been to these locations. We know yeah. exactly what's happening, which means we know exactly where the funds are going and how we're actually helping the local communities, which is great. So, for example, last year, 60,000 passengers um, compensated with the CO2 Zero program, which is an increase of 50% from 2016, which is That's great. incredible, yeah. Yeah, and so um, with the Panama reforestation, um, so far there's been 126,000 trees planted because of it, um, and it's created around 150 jobs for the local community, which is um, really good. You're not just reducing the emissions because of EU regulations, you're actually putting a lot more in. The offsetting was just really individuals, wasn't it? But you guys are looking to put that out into uh, businesses. 
Yeah, we, we have ambitions, um, and, and they're only sort of visions at the moment, so there's nothing uh, uh, tangible. But, uh, for instance, um, it's well established that our frequent flyers are able to uh, buy offsetting when they check in, for example, on our website. Uh, but we, we also have a, a program that we call a Blue Biz program, uh, which is uh, effectively like a frequent flyer, but not for the individual, but for the for a company, for an SME, for example. Mm -hmm. So the, the current program enables the company to register once they have their account. They earn and burn, just like a, a frequent flyer program. And the vision for the future, why not use some of the benefits there? So instead of purchasing a free ticket or a free upgrade, why not contribute to uh, CO2 in part or in whole? So this is the kind of projects that we have at the moment, and uh, we're, we're kind of looking at this uh, quite seriously and hoping that we're able to uh, introduce this uh, both on, on the UK market and, yeah. and globally as well. So this is a tangible things that we're able to offer our, our UK customers that can contribute, they can participate in our efforts to help make, a, help make this a better yeah. world, really, in effect. Has that uh, come from the ethos of the company or has it, has it been led by the regulation or would you say that as an organisation that you've got buying from your teams, your mm. staff, that this is something, you know, is it basically, is there somebody really driving this as a, as a principle as, or yeah. as opposed to just something you've got to do as legislation? I think, I think it's a company-wide. I think it goes from uh, ourselves as salespeople to, very, to our uh, top uh, senior management. I think it runs throughout the company. We do our best on a, on a local basis, try to avoid printing, try to maximise what savings we can make, both on a local basis, head office basis, and on a global basis. Yeah. I think that it's just an ethos of, uh, of Air France KLM, really, that right. uh, we've seen what benefits it's yeah. had to the world, to our customers. It encourages us, and we try and do even better. Because we see, we see from everyday TV of, of the impact of, of plastics in the sea, and, and, and it can't be good. We, we need to make a, a, an increased an effort to, to try and leave a world for our children which is good, which yeah. is uh, wholesome, really. And that must make you attractive as an employer, as, as a company that's leading the way in this. I Absolutely. Mean, I would have thought nowadays that people are now choosing the companies that they want to work for. And if yeah. you're standing for something as strongly as this, Yeah, I think, uh, I think Air France KLM staff have always been passionate about our product. I joined Air France in the day because not only did I love aircraft, but I love traveling, and that was the, the motivation. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot more than that now. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I have children. I want to, want to be able to do my little bit to, yeah, uh, right. uh, to help them, really. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it does help. And, and looking at my children, they are all passionate about it. They're taught at school. Mm -hmm. um, so our next generation, hopefully, will put us to shame of the yeah. efforts they'll make to, uh, to try and uh, help save the planet. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there is, a, there is a passion within uh, France KLM. Uh, an enthusiasm not only to serve our, our customers but to help uh, to help build a better world really and it's not just co2 emissions where you're looking at reductions you're talking about a 40 percent reduction in noise as well on the fleet yeah if you look at the dreamliner for example the engines there are actually have very little goes down directly vertically so the amount of noise 
that it produces in comparison to, say, a 747 is greatly reduced, and that also helps the, uh, the, the environment. And is this one of the key things that you're seeing? So when these new aircraft are coming out, is that something that a lot of the manufacturers are looking at doing Absolutely. with the noise reduction? Because, I mean, I'm under an air path now where I live, and some planes that go over, you can tell when it's an older plane because the noise is just all the windows close, it just rattles through. And then you get these newer planes where it just, you barely yeah. notice. You see, a, a Dreamliner uh, on takeoff makes the same noise as heavy traffic, essentially, which is n not as bad. Mm. No, no. Okay, it still can be improved, and I'm sure yeah. technology will be, uh, will be improved in the future. Who knows, we might even have electric planes, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this has been experimented uh, at the moment, isn't it? So we're mm. seeing we're seeing some fantastic people uh, innovating and creating uh, new technology. The onboard experience, I think, is also absolutely you know, the, the, the aircraft are you know certainly the Dreamliners and the various other ones. They are much quieter nowadays than they used to be. You don't have that yeah. that hum anymore. You kind of you have a much quieter experience when you're on board, yeah. whereas on a maybe a 747, it was much louder yeah. the whole time. And also the headsets that are provided are, yeah, are all these noise, noise cancelling, no, noise <laughs> yeah, cancelling which is, which is quite yeah. useful they as well. They are amazing, yeah. yeah. And the, and the, the on-board experience, the technology and uh, is getting better, the, the well, choice I, I mean, of I've, films, I've just recently been on a, uh, a Dreamliner, and I, I actually, and the first time for me, and I did find the the whole experience quite peaceful. It, I just, you know, the everything, for one thing, it, everything seems to work, you know, on board. Whereas if you go on one of the older aeroplanes, you know, it, it seems you, everything rattles, you know, on takeoff and that. Whereas it just seems a much more sedate, peaceful experience and, you know, a much more pleasant kind of environment. It's quieter than the air's different. Uh, there's kind of a lot more kind of um, comfort, you know, in all the cabins. But the, the the way the air, air you know the air industry is moving forward, it's it's a totally different experience to, yep. you know, even ten years ago, ten fifteen years ago, the the, the modern aeroplane is a is a yeah uh, a thing of wonder. Yeah, and the, and the airlines can uh, enhance that by by the onboard uh, services. <laughs> Uh, by stewards and stewardesses on Air France. We particularly proud ourselves on, on the food on board. Uh, I mean, there was one fact, whether it's still correct, I'm not sure, but uh, there was more champagne consumed on Air France than, than any other airline. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's still true, yeah. but it was the case. That needs to be on more marketing. I mean, that's how it... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that uh, it's an opportunity to reflect a national pride as the Dutch are, are, are known for their efficiency, for their straightforwardness. Are you trying to say uh, France is known for its drinking of champagne? Is that why you, you mm, get into this? Well, I like mm. to think that we're, uh, <laughs> the French are quite refined and uh, they, they, they say that uh, uh, the, the, the French uh, live to eat. Uh, maybe everybody else uh, lives to eat. You never know. It's, uh, but uh, they do pride themselves in the cuisine and, uh, uh, and the, uh, the onboard beverages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned before about technology, and obviously as we're talking about reducing waste, the KLM media app, obviously that's reducing, I think it's annually you're saving 229,000 litres of kerosene and you cut in CO2 emissions by 577 tonnes. Yeah, yeah. And this is the app where anybody coming on can get essentially the latest newspapers, magazines, yeah. all at the kind of the touch of a be button. downloaded at, uh, uh, before, uh, before boarding. And you're finding that a lot of people are really engaging with that app? Is that something that you've seen a lot of? More and more. Yeah. More and more. Uh, certainly the, the younger generation. 
has uh, more media media, media consumption. Really. Yeah, yeah, with that, absolutely. Everything is on is is on mobiles now. The boarding yeah. cards, uh, the the um, uh, the media apps, newspapers, etc. And what type of newspapers are you getting on the the media app? We have all the major newspapers. Yeah. Uh, everything from the Financial Times, the New York Times, Le Monde, Dutch newspapers. German newspapers, uh, so there's plus a good, magazines definitely as well. a good mixer. You have the magazines as well. You have the Paris Match and uh, all the sort of the, the big econ- the economics, for instance. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a wide wide choice there. And uh, something we did talk about before the show, we had a bit of a joke about was the use of biofuel. Yes, you guys are doing, and that again, that's a big part of sustainability. So I think we were quite crude before the show, and we talked about just cooking oil. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's a bit more technical. Yeah, it's a bit more is. science behind it. Yes, yeah. it's more refined. <laughs> yeah. It's more refined. It's not just dumping a load of cooking oil in and then open not for the quite. best. No, no. I do um, think that's incredible. I had no idea yeah. that there was aircraft flying around yeah. on bio. Well, Paul and I joked about it this morning. Like we before the show, we were looking at the show guide and we were talking about the biofuel in like just McDonald's yeah. oil, basically. Yeah. No, an example we gave was the uh, um, Paris uh, Amsterdam flights, which are uh, biofuel. Uh, and also some of the transatlantic ones. Challenge, of course, is trying to get enough uh, biofuels, yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, which uh, that's why that sponsorship deal with McDonald's comes in. <laughs> they must have a lot of biofuel knocking about. Yeah, one of our major jobs is to try and you know upscale the production of biofuels yeah. to make it more affordable, really, because it's. Right. it's um, remember the number but it's much more expensive than traditional fossil fuels are so at the moment it's just not a viable option to run a bunch of flights on it but we're working with more and more companies to try and upscale the production so we can use it more and more i think you've got some figures on the actual sustainability and where you're flying to using the biofuel don't you jason yeah so well in 2017 we had 561 flights um, which were operated partly on sustainable biofuels yeah Sustainable biofuels emit about 80% less CO2 than traditional fossil fuels. And in 2016, we started operating daily flights between uh, Los Angeles and Amsterdam, as well as 83 flights between Oslo and Amsterdam. So the final bit in your uh, sustainability for in the air was 100% UTZ certified coffee on board. I love my coffee. This was the thing that kind of stood out for me. CO2 emissions and all the rest of it is great environment. I need a good coffee on a plane so uh, when I was looking at that uh, I wanted to look also in terms of catering because I know you mentioned that before Paul I never realized what actually went into catering on a plane in terms of chefs and and how taste buds change in terms of altitude I think we were talking about before Jason what actually goes into preparing it for altitudes yeah so exactly so your taste buds do change as you um, go up and out which is quite interesting a lot of people don't know that so when all our meals are prepared and the uh, ingredients i guess chosen sometimes the chefs will compensate by adding extra ingredients or new flavors to enhance the taste to um to compensate for that for the change in flavor which is quite interesting and same for the wine as well so if you if you try a wine on the ground it may taste a little different when you're 30,000 feet up in the air. What is it, 80% of your taste is smell? Yeah, is exactly. And it's a full experience yeah. as well. Smell, yeah. taste, noise. Yeah. And you were at an event that. recently about this, so you should know. I was. You should know everything there is to so. know about <laughs> taste buds in the air and, and chefs and whatnot. Isn't it just chicken and beef? <laughs> is that it? <laughs> just chicken. <laughs> this is why you're linking with McDonald's again. <laughs> Seriously, we don't have anything to do with McDonald's, but... <laughs> but I think, I mean, you, when you look at the onboard catering nowadays, when you get... Uh, anything virtually that you want isn't it yeah. it, it, was, it was the 
it was just chicken and beef. It's but now it's just like you get some fantastic yeah. stuff. And I, what, I, what I always like is that when you do have some, you have a selection of like something even like local food you can experience wherever, you, wherever you're going or coming from, that kind of thing, where they kind of even put the, incorporate that in. Um, so it isn't just chicken yeah. and beef now. Yeah. Now with KLM, they recently launched um, Anytime For You. Essentially, it's a menu where our business class passengers can choose a meal from the menu, from the selection, and they can have it prepared for them and delivered anytime during the flight. So the staff will prepare it for you whenever you want it. So right. depending on your body, your body clock, where you wake up, when you sleep, you know, when you want to eat, because some people prefer to eat you know, earlier or later, yeah. to feel refreshed when they land, all of that. So they, can, they have a menu, they can choose what they want, and they can choose when they get it. Can they do that before they board, or is that just...? Yeah, the steward or stewardess would ask uh, the, the customer when they would like to eat, essentially. And we will do our best within a, within a time frame to accommodate that. Yeah. Uh, for us, the, the customer is king, and we will do uh, whatever, whatever we practically can to accommodate the, the wishes of our, of our customers. Because it always feels like on the, on the way back from, say, the US, you just want to, you know, on a night flight, you just want to quickly have your food, bed down, and that's it. You want yeah. it done as quickly as possible. Exactly. Yeah. So you I don't want to have to wait two hours to have your I think uh, one of the beauties of, uh, um, advantages, if you like, of flying Air France KLM is that you can have a short hop over to uh, Paris and Amsterdam, and for your long haul, well, you can just relax. There's none of this sort of waking up in the middle of the uh, night for a transfer elsewhere. Oh. So you have a quick hop to, uh, to Paris or Amsterdam, uh, straightforward connection at both uh, with a mutual mi- minimum connecting time of, of just one hour. Uh, you can connect your local airport, so you can be in Inverness, for example, you can be in Southampton, mm-hmm. and all, you, if you could be en route to Kuala Lumpur, uh, Johannesburg, Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, all over the world. Um, and you can just relax essentially once you've right, reached, uh, once you board your long haul flight in Paris and Amsterdam, take it easy. Uh, on our business class, all our seats are uh, life flat, and you have the, uh, the choice of menu. And by the way, it's always free on Air France KLM. We, we, we don't charge. How does this affect the weight then? If you're talking about people being able to order just off a menu and have something prepared, I suppose in the past you pre prepare your meals, you'd have your packed for however many people are going to be on the flight but I'm assuming if you're going to be offering order from the menu you've got to stock a little bit more than maybe well it is an option uh, when you check in that uh, if you choose to have an a la carte uh, meal you you select that meal when when you check in essentially Uh, with Air France KLM, you can uh, check in 30 hours uh, before before your departure, which is quite a yeah, yeah, quite a good time, and it's a good it's a good for us as well. Uh, and uh, if you do want something special, you're you're, you're able to choose a, an option uh, at uh, at check in. And uh, Paul, you mentioned before the the show we're off air about plastics mm. on a plane. Um, so there was some stuff around there about people wanting to, or certain airlines wanting to kind of reduce the plastic that's on a plane. Yeah, is that counterintuitive? Yeah, it's just, I, I was reading an article that they're trying to, you know, because there's quite a lot of focus on plastic waste, how do airlines then reconcile that a lot of the food is packaged? But I believe KLM and Air France do a lot of recycling of that. They're virtually everything on board is recycled. Everything is recycled, absolutely. So uh, from the uh, moment an aircraft lands, the steward and stewardesses uh, assist with the recycling at source. And that's taken away and, uh, and recycled, sometimes in normal, in normal ways. 
For example, we've had KLM uniforms that have been recycled into to carpets. Uh, we've had uh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's just incredible. In May, we had the situations <laughs> yeah. where our stewardesses on uh, June, which is a, a, a new airline for us uh, on the Air France side, which uh, are uh, recycled uh, recycled plastics as well. Wow. So yeah. it's uh, it yeah, because we're talking about some of the uniforms of the stewardesses are actually recycled, recycled. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Moving on now to the second part, the sustainability project, which is on the ground, concentrating on there. One of the biggest ones that I didn't really know about and you guys told me before the show was how you clean the hangars and also how you clean the aircraft and how you're saving, what is it, 8 million litres of water. First off, the actual hangars themselves. So there's a, a, a microbeading? Yes, yeah, a microbe. Oh, microbe, that's uh, it's it. It's a microbe which actually eats the dirt on the, uh, on the hangar floors. Yeah. Shame I was didn't asking if I could home. get some for home, like, that's what, and they wouldn't let me. They I don't think it's available it. domestically at the moment. Yeah. But uh, It'll be on one of those infomercials you see, <laughs> don't you, where it's like, oh, you can clean your house with. And uh, we have a, a, a dry wash. So, for instance, to, uh, uh, to clean a 777 just takes uh, 80 times less water than, uh, than other aircraft, uh, using 12,000 uh, litres of, uh, of, of water now. So, so yeah, it is. It's, it's a great. Uh, it's a great effort to uh, to save on water. One of the things we were talking about was previously, if you're kind of jet washing an airplane, you can't have anyone else in the hangar. You can't You've be got doing to close anything. The hangar down. You've yeah, got to yeah. Yeah. water everywhere. Yeah. So obviously, if you're using this new process, the semi-dry, you can be doing things on the plane. People can be around. You're saving so much time, and people are able to do kind of a multitude of things at the same time. And exactly. And you and can said be we could the aircraft cleaning the aircraft right at the same time. It's, yeah. it's much more efficient. I mean, you do this across all your aircraft now, don't you, and all yes. hangers. It's not something that is being phased. It's something side, you're actually yeah. doing, yeah. Obviously, we talked about the actual fleet, quieter, more efficient aircraft, but there's actually 12 of those being added to the fleet. So we've got two of the Boeing 787 to 900 Dreamliners, two Boeings, or 777s, uh, 300S, and a Embraer. The, em the Embraer 175 and the 190s, yeah. which are relatively new to the fleet, to uh, replace the, the old Fokker 70s. Um, which have been decommissioned now, more fuel efficient, uh, nicer, nicer jet aircraft actually, very nice. They are very adapted to the European network uh, and able to, uh, to land at uh, the smaller airport and they feed our hub. And is it the 175, is that the one with the smaller fuel tank? Yes, that, yeah. although it has, still has quite a good, quite yeah, a good range on that. Yeah. The only reason I ask is that one of the next points was about your interns at KLM, but obviously doing some research into the show, I looked at your YouTube channel, which is incredible. I've just got to say that to you guys here. But you do something called interns on a mission. I don't know whether it's a weekly or monthly thing, but you actually get the interns in and they go off and do different jobs within KLM. So one might be following the CEO around on a 24-hour trip, but you also had one where an intern actually went to pick up a couple of these Embraers. Yes. And they were flying back and they did the whole vlog series of that. And they looked incredible, those planes. I quite envy them, really. Yeah, do, do yeah, you not get to do that? Great job to have. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Yeah. <laughs> they could do a new series of sales on a mission, especially you on different aircraft. Drinking champagne, probably that was all they do it. In a life flat bed. Yes, ordering, <laughs> ordering your food, bespoke yeah. food. <laughs> that was one of the things that you guys really seem to take a lot of pride in, just judging from kind of your social accounts and like stuff on YouTube, is that your interns, you put in a lot of conscious effort 
into your internet, your next generation of Air France KLM stuff. Is that really important to you guys? It is, yeah. It gives us a chance to um, to develop and bring new up-to-date knowledge into the company. Um, so we share knowledge with them. They bring new and innovative ways of doing things to the company, new ideas. Um, so I think it's really important. And you talked about, is it a thousand interns joining? And you, you do have additional programs like KLM, corporate management, trainee management, uh, business and IT. So like I say, you are really taking a lot of time and effort to training these these interns and getting them in and, and doing that. Paul was mentioning before about breeding that loyalty as well. I think um, we, we always like to use the analogy of a family at Air France KL. Yeah. For instance, I come from the Air France side of the family, but it's uh, equally important to develop our children, if you like, yeah. to have the next generation of people who will eventually uh, replace us, yeah. uh, to be able to instill in them the enthusiasm and the passion that we have uh, for the airline. And there's no better way in this day and age to show them the projects that we're doing, uh, to, to build up their knowledge, their enthusiasm, to continue to continue the work uh, on a, on a long term basis. And do you say we have a similar thing like that here at Clarity Paul? Yeah, I think I think uh, you know we take our apprenticeship scheme very seriously. You know, I think that uh, what you're always looking for is the the pool of people that you can recruit from, and you are wanting people to stay with you if you're investing in training people. You want them to stay with you for a long time, and and certainly I think as a company we're one that where we do believe people match their values to the the value system of the company and if and if you have a match then you stay longer yeah. if you find that your values don't match yeah. the company then you tend to move on yeah. Yeah. so I certainly think it is very I, much I, I was cert- I was um, a trainer for quite a long time at, uh, at Air France KLM where I trained new sales reps that were joining and the really training is the pillar of any organization mm. if you get that right it's an investment in the future so uh, I'm quite uh, passionate about that and uh, when there's somebody that uh, is new, then uh, you know I try and go out of my way to to help them, just to pass on uh, knowledge, to pass on, uh, and to develop that enthusiasm that young person may may have to uh, to continue our work. Because I suppose ultimately the, the the people that you're bringing in are really your ambassadors. You know, if you're you're bringing in interns, you're bringing in apprentices, you are looking to the future, uh, and you want them to have a positive um, aspect to their experience here and also I think that even if people leave an organization I think it's quite important that they leave with a positive view of where they have come from because you, you sort of take the view that everyone's a salesperson and they could be talking about KLM Air France Clarity uh, to friends and colleagues and you want them to be talking in a very positive way because they may well have a need for the services that are being provided. If they say, oh, I used to work there, that was a terrible place, yeah. then it will actually sort of have a jaundiced view. So I, I do think that you're trying to trying to create that within your teams and, you know, that positivity. And certainly our ethos is very much about that. Um, we've got a lot, we've got people that have stayed with us for a long time, as, I, as I'm guessing you guys do as well. Yeah, we do. Well, um, how long have you been with Air France KLM now? Good number of years. Without aging you, <laughs> by the way, just so we're not, not being aged. Uh, 39 years, but wow. I, I must, oh, I must emphasize that I was very young when I started. Yeah, very young. <laughs> <laughs> so, number of roles. So, we've got you in, this is where the stalker research comes in. So, we've had you in reservations, group sales, fares unit, marine sales, sales support. Field sales, corporate sales, commercial training. Yeah. You've done it all. Uh, on the commercial you've side, You've just not yes. flown. That's the only thing you've not done no, on I've this. I've not done the operational <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah. Pilot no. license might be next. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's the next one for you. Clearly, I mean, you've really bought into the ethos of 
Air France KLM in that you you spend most of, well, a lot of a lot of time of your life working and it's important to be happy in one's work absolutely yeah, yeah. And you don't wake up on a Monday a Monday morning dreading to to go to work and uh, I, I've been very very fortunate that I, I I've, I've loved my job I've loved the company I, I remember once taking a a group of uh, journalists to the the island of Reunion in the Indian Ocean we were trying to promote uh, tourism there and uh, I, I talked with this journalist for quite a long quite some time yeah. and then he wrote a little article and he says well the guy I sat next to you know had uh, Air France in his blood yeah. Uh, so yeah I, t- I take that as a compliment mm, yeah um, and I, th- I think it's it's important to be happy in uh, in one's work and uh, yeah. uh, to believe in it to believe in it yeah. Jason, are you the same? Jason's like, I've, I've not been here that long to be like, I don't, not quite as impressive. <laughs> Jason's a lot younger than me, years. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but are you finding it, obviously, because you're in a completely different area of, of Air France KLM to someone yeah, like Yeah, no, so I've loved it. And even just working with a lot of the press, you know, they've been in the industry for a long time. They've done mm. press trips on many different airlines. And, you know, you always get great feedback from both KLM and Air France of how much they love travelling with us and even just the staff. You know, they love the KLM staff. They're always so friendly, so helpful. We'll go out of their way and it's great to hear that because it makes our job a lot easier. It's yeah. the free champagne. It's the French champagne, isn't it? I was going to say the free <laughs> champagne then, but it's definitely not free. Let's not spread that rumour. Yeah, yeah it is free. Yeah. Oh, is it free? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, there you go. It's free champagne. On long-haul flights, champagne is free. That's why you're using so much of it. And maybe start putting a price on that. We'll be right back after this break and we'll talk about the good work you've been doing across the globe and also the first best and worst travel experiences. Are you looking to make cost savings to your travel program but don't know where to start? Do you want to make your business travel more productive but don't know how? Do you need to improve travel efficiency but can't find a way? These are big issues which will resonate with many business travelers and travel buyers. In our new report, Planes, Trains and Marginal Gains, we tackle these issues and give you the tools to make small changes that equal big savings. To find out more, simply visit claritytm.co.uk and download the report today. And welcome back. Okay, the final part of sustainability is your in the world section. Paul, you were talking about some stuff with the Dow Jones. Yes, Air France is uh, committed to act in a sustainable uh, manner and committed to the UN Global Compact Principles. And the aim really is to contribute to UN Sustainability Development Goals. And we have been at the top end of the Dow Jones Sustainability Index in the airline category for 13 years now. And that's consecutive years as well, isn't it? Consecutive years. That's incredible. Yeah, so we've been there or thereabouts... uh, and one of the things that I really wanted to touch on, and we mentioned at the beginning of the show, was the CO2 Zero project. Like I say, we're celebrating 10 years this year. Uh, Jason, I think you've got a little bit more information on this. Yeah, so the program was launched back in March 2008. And so the program essentially enables our passengers to uh, fly CO2 neutral, really, so they can compensate for the CO2 from, from their air travel. So this can be done when booking or via the My Trip on the KLM website before uh, before they make a flight. And then these funds are all invested into compensation funds, so re- CO2 reduction programs, which are certified as gold standards. So their projects are not competing with the likes of food production. They help out the local community, that kind of thing. And one of the benefits of KLM is that we we invest directly. We don't go through a, th- a third party. So we've been there. We've um, we've been on the ground. We understand exactly where the funds 
funds are being invested in what's happening. And I suppose you're not paying any kind of fees as well then if you're using a third party. Exactly. I would imagine you'd be paying some kind of fee to them and, and they'd be doing the work for you. Exactly. So we can invest um, essentially all the funds into these projects, which is great. So some facts around the project so far. So over the past 10 years, more than 260,000 tonnes of CO2 emissions have been compensated with the programme. And so out of one out of every 535 passengers is travelling carbon neutral at the moment, which may not seem a lot, but when you look at our yearly passenger well, traffic... What's say 98.7 million, that's... Uh, exactly, and it is growing. So it's, it's growing by about, what is it, 50% um, in comparison to 2016, which is, which is a really good sign. But so we're hoping, that to, hoping for that to continue to grow. Um, and during the first five weeks of 2017, approximately uh, just over 6,000, almost 7,000 passengers compensated for their emissions. Um, and during the first five weeks of 2018, around 10,500 passengers has already compensated for their, their emissions. For their so that's flight. a massive plus of PR. That's, that's a part exactly. of that for you, that Jason. That's all you. You take the credit for that. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> yeah. So it's good, yeah, it's good that people, people know about it, people are learning about it, and people are actually keen to get involved. And when we talk about those programs that are kind of on the ground, obviously we touched on it in the first half about Panama uh, and the good work that's going over there, you talked about what is it generating fixed income for 150 people out there, You're doing a bit of forestation there. That is incredible work. Yeah, exactly. So, 126,000 trees being planted so far, supporting 150 jobs in the local community. Yeah. So, yeah. so is it? I don't know if you you guys had thought past that, but is it just Panama at the moment? Are you looking at other? I know you mentioned Ghana. Was Ghana was a previous project. It was a previous project. So, have you? I suppose it would be the next step would be the next location for a project. Is that how it's going to work? You will look for the kind of next project? Yes, I think it's envisaged that way. One of the other areas that you're doing uh, good work in the world is uh, 1,641 flights taken by NGO partners through donated Flying Blue Miles. Now, how that works is that Flying Blue members can choose to donate award miles to charities that need to fly to protect locations to reach the goals, like WWF, UNICEF, Red Cross, uh, but also innovations like the ocean cleanup so you're doing a lot of great work there as well with the charities yeah absolutely uh, just to clarify our, our flying balloon is our frequent flyer program yeah which is available not only just to air france klm but also to uh, to a, a number of our other airlines including right. delta for example the final kind of piece there um was and the thing that really touched home with me was that over twenty-five thousand children supported by wings of support and now Wings of Support is an NGO established uh, by KLM employees. I think that was back in 1998. Uh, an independent organization run by about 90 KLM volunteers purposefully to help children in countries that KLM serves by facilitating education, shelter, and medical care. The aim is obviously to involve local population in the projects. You don't see this kind of thing where 90 KLM volunteers and this kind of hands-on approach from companies. I'm not going to say like yourselves because obviously there will be other airlines that do similar type of things where they want to help in local communities but this is a, a huge thing that deserves speaking about. Absolutely and it's our uh, colleagues in uh, in the Netherlands who, yeah. uh, who, who have this project uh, on board and it's, it's a really good example for us um, and uh, maybe we should be looking at that on a, on a local basis as well. Yeah, uh, you have to give them credit for that. It's, it's, it's an excellent and it's an excellent <laughs> example. No, no, I mean it's great. I mean, like I say, the sustainability project and the fact that this CO two zero has been celebrating ten years is a massive accomplishment for any company. Deserve a definite pat on the back for that. One of the final parts of the show, my favourite part of the show, because I am not involved in it, is the first, worst, and best travel scenarios. 
Now, I'm expecting a lot of good things here because 41 years in the travel industry, 39 of them at KLM. And Paul, to my left here, isn't really a spring chicken either. He's got a lot of stories <laughs> that need to come out. But what we'll do, we'll save though. I'm not going to say save the best or last because I feel like I'm insulting Jason there. But we'll start with you, Jason. What's your first travel scenario story? My first travel uh, scenario story would have been the one that comes to mind, I think, was one of my first ever flights and just experiencing turb turbulence for the first time and just seeing what the aircraft can actually be put under and not well, yeah, fall apart. badly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so looking out the windows and just seeing the wings and how much they flap and how yeah. much they can move without, without causing any damage is amazing. So well, I was saying time, before, I didn't shocking. know that wings move that much. I didn't yeah. realise they flapped. Yeah. I thought they were very sturdy and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> we scared the life out of me. <laughs> I think it's designed that way. Oh, right, is it? <laughs> well, to scare the life out of me or to <laughs> flap? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, at the time you're shocked, you're not sure what's going to happen, but then, yeah, exactly, the, so the aircraft's obviously designed yeah, to be yeah. put under that kind of pressure. Yeah. And people are probably praying around you. And yeah, exactly, people freaking out, not knowing what yeah. to do, but <laughs> it, was, it was a safe yeah. flight, it was, it was no, brilliant. It was and so, would that probably double up as your worst as well then? Like <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't fun at the time, no, so <laughs> yeah. it probably was one of the worst at the yeah. time. And what about your best, your best travel scenario? Best travel scenario, I think was also the, my first flight to LA and just um, flying over all the beautiful islands and, um, and then coming into Los Angeles and just seeing the, the magnitude of the city. It's yeah. huge. And it was probably one of, the big, uh, one of the biggest cities I'd ever flown over or to. So it was quite amazing to see it from air yeah. um, rather than you know, driving into a city by a car on the ground. It's quite amazing to think that you're in an aircraft flying through the air and got a bird's eye view of this huge city. I oh, think you always remember the first time, your first flight. So. Paul Carbonaro, your first. Well, where can I start? <laughs> well, the first. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, first of all, I should qualify this. It was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago. As a young man, um, I was on a, a first trip, um, London, Paris, and onward to uh, Montreal, in fact. Um, flying with Air France, of course. And uh, at the time, we were flying on standby because we were staff. Um, and I had a colleague of mine. We, he got on the first flight to Paris, and I didn't quite get on. I got on the second flight. Um, I got to um, uh, Paris to uh, go, go through the normal uh, security uh, channels, and uh, a big red light comes on, and uh, I was asked to step aside. And in fact, what had happened was that uh, as, as I'm half French, uh, my mother is French, but I've always lived in England, but we made the mistake of not declaring uh, to the French consulate that we, uh, we lived in, uh, in London. So therefore, the French uh, authorities had me down for military service. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't quite up to it at the yeah. time. So Colin is sick on that. Why can't so you come in while I'm, I'm so on military service? Technically, uh, the, the gendarmes uh, said um, we have you down as a French military uh, deserter, in fact. 
And I said, what? <laughs> uh, so I was a little bit uh, concerned about that. Uh, it, was, it was obviously uh, a slight uh, error in the administration and it needed to be sorted out. So I wasn't too worried, but uh, um, I was taken across the airport with two armed uh, gendarmes uh, past my friend who was really kind of uh, quite concerned what, what, what was happening to me. And I was, I was taken to uh, uh, a barracks uh, in Fontainebleau at the time. But anyway, cut a long story short, I was released after uh, uh, 24, um, 24 hours and I was able to continue my, uh, my, my journey. And, and looking back, at the time I wasn't particularly happy with it, it was yeah. a, a bit of a concern, but actually looking back on it, it was really quite funny. And uh, I remember sitting in a room with a, with a sergeant, uh, smoking, chain-smoking Gaulois, uh, telling me that I was on my way to, to Chad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit concerned for it. But thankfully it was all sorted and uh, it was fine in the end. So what would that be class or would that be first and worst? I think my I think that was probably my worst, uh, <laughs> worst. situation. Yeah. So go on, what's your best? Well, obviously, um, in the, in my line of work, we, we do take uh, customers away. We do we take the, uh, potential corporate uh, buyers away. So, uh, so we're very fortunate that we we were able to demonstrate our product and services. And uh, one of the things that's really rewarding in, in, in my job is uh, coming back from these trips and saying, wow, that was, uh, that was a great experience. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for you know, showing us the Schiphol Airport or showing us uh, the facilities on board, etc. And uh, th there is a, a great satisfaction there of, uh, of, of doing a job and uh, uh, being acknowledged by, by our customers. Yeah. I think there's nothing more rewarding uh, for me, really, uh, on that basis. So I think that was one of the best ones, uh, where I did take a trip and uh, uh, the, the compliments were, were very, very good and uh, gratifying. Now, best to last, maybe? We don't know, but Paul Casement, what was uh, your first? My first was when uh, I used to have to work in the Channel Islands one day a week. So my first experience of like flying for business was uh, jumping on planes to go to the Channel Islands. But in those days, you could ask for the cockpit. So I tended to sit in the cockpit their own back. So, so that was good. That was good fun. Uh, the other part of it was having to cover uh, Guernsey, the uh, the flight across from Jersey to Guernsey. They they sort of eyed you up and put you in the seat according to your the size of your waistline, <laughs> which was well, that's a bit. and uh, and the pilots always seemed like they just come out of the war or something they always seem to be slightly <laughs> slightly dodgy <laughs> but uh, uh, that was that was quite fun uh, many many years ago the worst for me was probably staying in a in a hotel and about three o'clock in the morning a couple walked into my room saying that I was in their room which was slightly surprising <laughs> as I was asleep at the time um, and then having to ask them to leave and then got them out of the room and then Went back to bed and then they came back with the manager who said I was in their room, <laughs> which was. Were you so actually in their room? Oh, uh, there was seemed to be some uh, mess up with uh, reception, but in the end I threw them all out and I, I was stupid enough not to have double bolted the door. Right. Uh, which especially a, after the first. After the first <laughs> one, yeah. So I was slight. I was. I learned my lesson from that one. Um, but I did say, I said, well, I'm in the room and you're not, so basically get out. Um, but that was a bit of a, sh a, bit of a shock. I think that was uh, yeah, a few years ago. 
Yeah, and the best. Well, the best ones I think is quite easy for me because it is probably because it's got rarity and bragging value. I think I had to take an envelope to New York at very very short notice one time, uh, and it had to get there quickly. So I went on Concord, and I literally went there with an envelope in my hand, and that's all I had to do was take it to New York on Concord. Somebody picked it up the other end, and I flew back business class on the way back. Wow, that was it. Did you but ever so find out what was in the envelope? No, no. no. I just know that. Don't it had ask, to, don't tell. No, it just had to be there, and it was delivered. So yeah. I think uh, it's nice to have had the experience of flying on such an iconic uh, yeah. aircraft, never to be repeated. So it's. Uh, Didn't they talk about bringing the Concorde back though? Was uh, obviously not as it was, but like a. Oh, updated, revised version no, of it. I doubt that will ever happen. It's a shame. Think though, it's but best it was just to leave it in yeah. the memory of an iconic plane. So I think that that, that for me is you know that, that there's not that many people who have been on it, but it was literally just going on it to take an envelope and then come straight back. Yeah. So they're back uh, in uh, in a day. I've had something similar. I'm about to drop an envelope off, but it's been around the corner. Like it's never been. You might have had to jump on the bus, but that was about it. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks everyone for for being on the show. Obviously, Air France KLM, if people want to find you guys, where can they do that? So we're on both Twitter and Facebook and yep. as uh, KLM UK, or you can find us online at klm.co.uk. Brilliant. And I'm sure if they just Google Air France KLM. Yeah. We did mention uh, our Bluebiz uh, program, which is our corporate loyalty. So it might be useful uh, for the audience to, to know where they can find, where they can yeah. roll on that. And that's www.bluebiz. Blue as in colour, biz as in B-I-Z dot com, or one word. We've been Absolute Clarity. I've been your host, Kyle Daniels. You can find us on Twitter at Clarity underscore TM. You can join the conversation using the hashtag Absolute Clarity, and you can email me directly, podcast at clarity.tm.co.uk. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.